and welcome back to In the Pocket Across the Pond, the UK NFL Fantasy Football Podcast with me, Alex Brindle. Me, Lewis Brindle. And me, Alex Sharples. Fantastic to be back. Miss doing this, gents. Uh, decent amount to catch up on. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some playoffs and Super Bowl. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through some awards of ours, some season ending awards. Um, should be a lot of fun. What do we make of the playoffs? First of all, though, let's get straight into it. What do we make of the playoffs? I for one am still in shock that uh, it wasn't the Eagles versus the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I thought the Bengals. I still think the Bengals and the Eagles are both better teams than the Chiefs. The Chiefs just have the best player in the league. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the playoffs, Lou? Anything that surprised you? I was surprised at how good the Super Bowl was, cons- just considering like a lot of those wildcard oh, yeah, games yeah. and conference championships so were quite grueling, low-scoring games. Mm. You know, injury reasons and stuff like that. But I-, I was I was picking the under, you know, in in that that Chiefs Eagles game. I know it ended up being one of the highest scoring uh, Super Bowls we've had, mm. certainly in recent memory. Anyway, it was a really really good game. Um, and yeah, what I will take from it is that I was correct. I said the Chiefs would win when we did our brackets. So right. I believe that un- undoes all my other horrible calls throughout the yeah, year. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, before we get on to the Super Bowl, though, playoffs, was there anything more telegraphed, Sharples, than the Vikings losing in the first round? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be to be fair, I, I did pick the Vikings to win in my, um, in my playoff bracket. I didn't think they'd go past the next round but I thought they'd beat the Giants but yeah you're right I mean any because they, they finished I can't remember their record but they, you know they finished with a good record and I think we were sort of saying going into it they're one of the teams that were worried will just get bounced straight away because they don't have that that sort of killer instinct and, and you're right the you know the Giants weren't pretty and, and in my opinion aren't a pretty team but just turned up and beat them and and yeah you sort of wonder what's next for that Vikings team really yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was similar. I look on the Giants, though the team that beat them, because I'm not, I'm not, op- I'm not massively optimistic about either of them, mm. really. Like um, the Vikings, we said it, we said it going into the playoffs. They they won a load of one score games, and I've I've seen like you know people since then say no, that means they're good. That means they can. Ha-. No, it doesn't mean they're good. That means that they fell on the right side of that coin toss. Yeah. That isn't a metric. If you look back. You know, just at the stats of previous years, that's not a metric that you keep up winning no. those one score games. That's not you know, you can't you can't withstand that really. Um Yeah, and and, and don't get me wrong, Brian Dayball did a, a great yeah, job great at job, the Giants. Yeah. But Coach of the Year, no. it, it feels like we're rewriting history to make the job that he did seem amazing when you know the Giants I think they were projected seven wins before the season. It's like we're all acting as if the Giants were projected two wins and Dayball's completely turned this team around. No, no, they weren't projected to be in the real lowest parts of the league in terms of record-wise, you know, so it feels like there's very much a, a kind of retroactive, oh, look how amazing you did, whereas, you know, you look at what Shanahan did with three different quarterbacks yeah. of the 49ers yeah. and <clears throat> feel really bad for the 49ers and for Brock Purdy because, you know, that that was barely even a game because they didn't have a quarterback. 
But you, you look at what Shanahan did. I think I think Doug Peterson was a bigger turnaround than the Giants. What he did at the Jaguars, considering mm-hmm. how much of a, a complete car crash they were last year, um, and 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 Nick Sirianni as well. I don't know how you can overlook the coach of the best team in football over the the regular season, the majority of the playoffs uh, for that award. So I think I think Dayball got really fortunate to get that award to be totally honest with you um but before again just before we touch on the super bowl what what are we making of of some of those teams that dropped out like like the bills lou uh i'm a bit out on the bills now really mm. been the same story for the past few years um and they haven't even had any success before they've been found out and it just feels like they've they've been found out now yeah really like i didn't get that Sort of, I didn't get that sense, you know, last year when when they they lost to the Chiefs on that sort of controversial coin toss and overtime. You felt that whatever team won that game would go through, and you felt that if the Bills were given the ball again, they would score. I, I didn't feel that in the playoffs. I didn't feel that whenever you, the Bills got the ball, they would score because sometimes in the season it looks too easy for them, but just didn't. I don't know yeah. whether. I'm 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 not for the past like three years I've gone into every every uh new season going right it's the Bills this year. It's the Bills this year, last year, it's the Bills this year. I don't think it's the Bills going yeah. into twenty twenty three. Yeah. Sharples what who who has a better uh outlook going into next season, uh the Bengals or the Bills? Ooh. I think I think that's a tough one. I think that's maybe a tougher one than than you think, Lou. Um, I think obviously yeah. you have to you have to give the nod to the Bengals. They, they did beat them in the playoffs, but I I I disagree. I think the bull the, the Bulls. I think the Bills are going to be there or thereabouts again next year. Uh, I think they're too talented to not be. I think they've obviously got Josh Allen. I think they've got really nice defensive pieces, really nice offensive pieces. It didn't quite click this year. Uh, I think there was a few moments that sort of boiled over. I know with Stefan Diggs, but for me, that yeah, while they've got the same core of players, they've got they're always going to be there or thereabouts. But I agree, the Bengals I think have shown that they were more than the flash in the pan that certainly I thought they were last last season when they made that deep playoff run. Mm. Yeah, I just I will say just so it's on the record and just so that we can go back and delete it when I'm totally wrong. Uh, my way too early prediction next year is Bengals to win the Super Bowl Joe Burrow to win the regular season MVP you heard it here first I think it's going to be a repeat you know no one since Kurt Warner had won the regular season MVP and then the Super Bowl Mahomes did it though this year and then I think it repeats with Burrow next year but as I say way too early be prepared to to delete this Uh, (laughs) but anyway Super Bowl 35 Eagles 38 Chiefs lads I've got a quick over under game for you Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl Super Bowl MVP best player in the league quarterback for the Chiefs over under 200 passing yards in the Super Bowl gotta be over that's stupid Uh, if it's under that is ridiculous I there's no way that's under Sharples I don't think you ask that question if it's over, so it's got to be under. Yeah, but but I know, but that's just so... How? I did, I, 182 I, passing yards from Pat Mahomes. What? Wow. Which is crazy, but if you think about it, the, the, the 38 points, you've got the defensive touchdown and you've got the Kadarius Tony 60, 70 yard 
punt return, which probably takes, you know, 120 yards off Mahomes' total. So he would have been about at 300 with Hertz. But I, I saw this stat today and I was really surprised. I'm like, 182 yards, you know, and uh, th- this is why you could potentially make the case that Jalen Hurts was the MVP he of the Super Bowl. I was just about to say, hey, can, yeah. can you give it to the, the uh, player from the losing team? Surely you can. Because he was, Jalen Hurts was the best player in that game and he, he put up one of the best Super Bowl performances in recent memory. His team just lost. Yeah, yeah. Good games from Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, Pacheco, Kelsey, Tony. Bad game from Sanders, though. Oh, Sharples, what what did you make of this Super Bowl? I will say that you know, the, the Eagles. When 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 I said earlier in the season that they were my Super Bowl pick, I did not think they would be like the to me undoubted un, like kind of undoubtedly best team in the league like they are. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not claiming to have called the Eagles being this good. I'll be honest with you, uh, but I did seriously think they were going to win this game, and I've still kind of quite not not really got an idea how the Chiefs won it. Sharples, what what do you think? Well, I mean, first of all, anyone who's had their head turned by Miles Sanders this season, that's what he is. That's what he is. <laughs> mm. Don't let him fool you next season. Um, yeah, no, obviously, yeah. Re- like really good game. Um, I think obviously as soon as you see the score, like you know, it's in for a juicy one, uh, up and down. I-, I think like most people, obviously, once the Eagles go up, uh, you know, as-, as much as they did at halftime, I thought, right, this is done. But then again, you're playing against Patrick Mahomes, who is just an absolute animal. Like, there's, you're right, Eagles are a much more superior team, but I think Patrick Mahomes is just is probably the best player in the NFL, and. It- he just makes things happen. Statistically, not you know, not not the best game in terms of yards, but you know, it, it's just the touchdowns, and that's what the box score comes up with. And he just doesn't. They're just never out of a game when he's there. And um, yeah, mm. just unbelievable, really. Um, I thought the Eagles were cruising at halftime. They they look so good. And yeah, what can you say, Patrick Mahomes? Mm. Yeah, Mahomes, and that's the thing, and and I I don't think any of us have been watching the NFL long enough, you know, to to kind of judge this Mahomes on on an all time scale. I mean, we have me and Lewis have kind of been, uh, in terms of really watching the NFL and playing fantasy. I think Pat Mahomes's breakout season was the first season that we played fantasy, um, which was what five years ago now. So I can't really comment on all this talk about how he's in the upper room of the upper room or whatever because yeah. there was this there was this chat about Deion Sanders which I do agree with that there should be another distinction in the Hall of Fame because they let that many people in that it kind of gets watered down so there needs to be an, another room like I don't know why they're not just giving Tom Brady his own building and sending <laughs> him in there right now um, but the, this idea that Mahomes is already kind of in that class with almost Brady with Montana, with, with these sort of almost goats is pretty yeah. crazy to be fair. But I was just talking to Lou before about that season where he did burst onto the scene where he sat behind Alex Smith and there was chatter like, oh, this Mahomes guy who the Chiefs have got looked pretty good. Oh, they're actually going to let Alex Smith go. He must be all right. He must be all right. Then boom, just straight onto the scene, kind of best player in the league from the minute he started that first game of that season, which was crazy, and kind of not stopped since. It's it's amazing how dominant the Chiefs have been the past five years, don't you think, Lou? 
Yeah, definitely. And it's all, you know, Andy Reid, great coach. Um, Eric Bieniemy, great offensive coordinator. I'll talk about him in a little bit. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, just generational talent. Somehow, some somewhere just finds a way to win, like we're saying in this game, down by 10 at half time. But you just never, I don't think it was ever in doubt, mm. really. Um, I will say on this game, the Chiefs' defence are fascinating to me. They're absolutely fascinating because they're never one that you're going to pick up in fantasy football. They're never one that are going to be a top 10 defence in the league. But they have this strange ability to sort of just turn up at specific moments in games when you need them to. And it's like, you, you know, I, I can't get my head around it. Yeah, Steve Spagnola, the defensive coordinator, obviously knows what he's doing there because imagine if the Chiefs had the Eagles' defence. You know what I mean? The Eagles, obviously, you know, barring this game, the rest of the season, they've been excellent. They'd be unstoppable, but it's like, it's almost as if they admit, we don't need that, we'll sacrifice a little bit on that end and then just pump everything that we have into this offense because that's how you win games. But the defense shows up, and they show, yeah. even though they conceded 35 points, they still had moments in this game where they showed up. Yeah, and 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 the the Eagles' defense didn't show up, you know what I mean? I mean, I do think it's a bit of a trash move, you know, by Juju Smith-Schuster kind of uh, uh, poking fun at the guy who got the holding call called against him, even oh, though yeah. he literally admitted to the holding call. Yeah, did, and Smith Schuster's like talking rubbish on Twitter, and AJ Brown kind of replied in a really good way, you know, kind of saying, you know, congratulations to the Chiefs, well done. By the way, your career got totally resurrected. And, you know, <laughs> if, if that stat line is the resurrection of a career, then okay then. Yeah. Uh, but it just goes to show, I mean, yeah, Juju Smith Schuster's a clone. Um, and there's no need for that, really. He's just a TikTok star who happens to play for the Chiefs. Yeah. Speaking of happening to play for the Chiefs, Melvin Gordon got that ring, Sharples. <laughs> yeah. yeah, madness. What, what? Literally, what can you say about that? I know. Um, yeah, well done. <laughs> well done, Melvin. Well, well done. <laughs> Yeah. Well done to him, uh, and yeah, not not about Juju Smith-Schuster cloning on a a guy who who kind of uh, has been taking his mistake and the defeat, you know, very well. To yeah. be honest with you, so I don't know why you have to clone on him like that, but but whatever. Uh, anyway, there was a, there was an, a, a distinct and quite obvious uh, lack of Cowboys chatting there. By the way, it got cancelled this week. Cowboys chat just because I couldn't face it. To be honest with you. Like, Lou's just pointing to me that he's got Cowboys talking in later. the show doc later in the show doc later in the show doc which I did not sign off on um, <laughs> anyway Super Bowl congratulations to the Chiefs I mean you, you, you can't argue it, deserved winners and as a Cowboys fan glad the Eagles didn't win at the end of the day well done to the Chiefs um, but let's talk some news Lou Let's talk some news. Yeah, plenty of stuff happening. Um, we've been, you know, been off now for a few weeks. Uh, a lot of notable stories, a lot of head coaching hires, uh, coordinator hires. But we'll start off with just just the the plain news. Tom Brady, the girl, retires again. Um, he's done. He's do- he signed that deal with Fox for next year. Um, Greg Olson, Greg Olson, Greg Olson, you know, but, shame uh, on Brady having to try and follow up Greg Olson. He's great. Yeah, Brady <laughs> yeah. ties. Obviously, you know, you don't need us to tell you how great Tom Brady's been. No, um, but we're going to Sharples. What do you think about Tom Brady retiring? 
I mean, I think it was looking more and more inevitable as the season went on. Um, I think physically he could he could probably come back for another couple of years and still yeah. do it. But I just I think I think he, this is the year where he's finally lost lost the love for it. I, I remember uh, listening to um, Isaiah Thomas, the uh, basketball player, um, the one from the eighties for the Pistons, not not the, uh, yeah, not the one yeah. who played for not Boston recently, um, yeah. saying that yeah. the, the sort of the year he decided he retired was uh, he was sat by the pool in preseason. It was the first time ever that he didn't want to go to practice when it was time to go for practice. And I just feel like Brady's been playing like that the entire season. Obviously, there's been a lot going on in his personal life. He's got a massive check waiting for him when he finishes with Fox. And um, mm-hmm. you know that 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 Buccaneers team hasn't really changed much since the, since the team that won the Super Bowl, which on paper would be a good thing because obviously it was a really good team. But I think it's just gotten stagnant. Um, I think something's something's not clicking there. Whether it's all because of Bruce Arians departing, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think the writing's been on the wall for me. He just he just doesn't look like that that sort of fires there anymore. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I I think physically he could, yeah, like you're saying, he could still do another couple of years. I mean, he was top five in in passing yards, you know, mm. this year. One actually one of his higher, you know, passing yardage of his career. He threw, he threw the um, ball a ridiculous amount yeah. of times in the last game he ever played. So I don't I don't think it's a war and tour issue. I think like you're saying, I think um, you, you know, it, he's he's got to be done. Yeah, he's got to know that he's done. To retire again after just retiring last year, he's got to know that he's done. And last year, it was obviously he wasn't he wasn't fully you know convinced. But but this is it now. There we go. Um, great career for Brady, an yeah. unrivaled career, one that you know maybe Patrick Mahomes might be able to eclipse. But mm. but um, long time, yeah. Long, yeah. I mean, I know Mahomes is obviously the talk of the town, and he's two Super Bowls and he's only what 27 and he's the best player in the league and he's the best thing since sliced bread um, but seven Super Bowls is a lot of Super Bowls it is a lot <laughs> more than any other franchise yeah, uh, yeah. on a whole but yeah the goat retires um, speaking of Mahomes as well um, topping off another Super Bowl as you said with another league MVP second of his, yeah. second of his career Nick yeah. Bolsa um, defensive player of the year very well deserved as well, mm-hmm. uh, and Justin Jefferson, offensive player of the year. Don't yeah. we can don't think we can argue with that. No, no. I mean, Mahomes. Mahomes ended up being kind of he was the last. Not meaning this in a bad way, but he was the last guy standing in terms of the people who were around him and who were kind of um, who were. Uh, you talk, you, you Jalen Hurts, you know, got injured. Josh Allen dropped off around the middle of the season. Joe Burrow had a slow start to the season, so I think that that kind of constant high level from Mahomes is is what made it kind of the obvious and the safe pick. To be honest with you, we're not we're not going to say it was like as explosive as his first MVP as Lamar no. Jackson no. MVP year, but it was certainly better than than whatever that MVP was last year. Like, why did Aaron Rodgers win that twice in a I row? Know, I know, strange. <laughs> yeah. um, and then comeback player of the year. I love Geno Smith, but someone needs to define the comeback player of the year to me. Comeback, he came back from being bad, which isn't a criteria. You <laughs> yeah. can't come back from being bad. I, yeah, I thought the comeback player of the year meant you've been injured uh, the previous year, you've been out, 
Um, Geno Smith has just been on the bench. Also, why why don't why didn't they rub the brains together and think? Oh yeah, Brian Robinson got shot before the season and st- and came back and played and actually looked good. How is he? How was he not the comeback player of the year? Yeah, I, I don't. What? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. So that's interesting. But congratulations. Um, Couple of bits of news on quarterbacks. Derek Carr officially released by the Raiders. Just, yeah. just briefly, one word. Where do we think he's going, Sharples? Jets. Al. <laughs> Literally no clue. No. <laughs> no I, I, I've got no clue. Um, where? Let me think of somewhere. Panthers. Okay. Um, yeah, I. I would say Jets if it wasn't for this next piece of news. Uh, as we speak right now, as we're recording this, Aaron Rodgers is in the, he's, he's in the middle of his darkness retreat. He's sitting in darkness, sensory deprivation for yeah. four days. Uh, you know, on a darkness retreat to try and enlighten himself mm. about his NFL future. All signs point to um, his exit in Green Bay. I think Green Bay are done with him. So I would have said the Jets for Derek Carr if I didn't think that Aaron yeah. Rodgers was going to go to the Jets. I will say if the Vikings signed Derek Carr and they like they like squeezed Carr and Cousins into the same uniform, then you might have a really good quarterback. Excellent quarterback. Uh, there. You know, if you combined Carr and Cousins, then you've got a great quarterback. Cousins. Cousins. <laughs> I think the Raiders move absolute mountains to get Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams back together. <laughs> True, true. I just don't. I, I, I just think the Jets are going to be a lot better than the Raiders. So yeah. I think Aaron Rodgers yeah. has a better chance to win. But then again, it is Las Vegas. That's. I feel like that speaks more to Aaron Rodgers than New Jersey. You know what I think doesn't speak to Aaron Rodgers, and I, I, I don't think him and Mc, McDaniel's would mesh whatsoever. McDaniels has kind of shown himself to be such kind of a a Belichick clone that, like, he's he's doing all the kind of impersonal and cold stuff that Belichick does, and I just don't think him and Rodgers would get on whatsoever. Mm. I don't think, even, even though... Devonnie Adams is there. I don't think it's a, a coaching environment that Rogers wants to be a part of because it would require him to show some interest in yeah. his team yeah. and show some sort of commitment at this time when his career, when clearly the most important thing to Aaron Rodgers is winning MVPs, because that's what he said. Yeah, I he didn't. That. He didn't say. He didn't say in an interview. I think I could win another Super Bowl. He said, I think I could win a couple more MVPs. So mm. who cares? Yeah, exactly. Unless, so it shows where yeah. he's at. Unless he just doesn't think he can win one in Green Bay. And that's why he said that. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Yeah, but, but but it's this whole thing where it's like Mahomes just won the Super Bowl because he spent time with all his new receivers and he flew them out to um to Dallas or wherever he w- he was before the before the season and they all got together and Rodgers didn't do that. Rodgers, you know, didn't do that and just quickly on Mahomes I was listening to pro football talk the other day and they said, you know, we they think that a real big thing that fueled the Chiefs this year and especially Mahomes is this kind of 
they want they wanted to stick it to Tyreek Hill. They wanted to completely see and and they've gone the right way about it. You'd never expect anyone like Mahomes or anyone from the Chiefs to outwardly come out and say, Yeah, no, that really annoyed us what, what Tyreek Hill did. But you think if you're Mahomes and Tyreek Hill's like, I don't want to play with you anymore. I don't want to play, I want with, to play with this other I guy play, who's more accurate. I want to play with this other guy, and this other guy's more accurate than you. By the way, I think <laughs> you don't underestimate how much that was like. How much the Chiefs probably talked about that yeah. in the back, yeah. and they were like, "All right, this guy doesn't want to be here anymore." Yeah, well, he could yeah. have had it. Could have had a, another another ring, another ring, but. I don't want to claim on Tyreek Hill too much because he was incredible. Still, Tyreek Hill's <laughs> an incredible player. No, I'm just, a, I'm just saying. I, I, it, I, it was the first time I'd heard it brought up, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, that that makes sense." Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, we'll see where Carr and Rogers end up. But um, some head coaching hires. All five vacancies have already been filled, just mm. like that. There we go. Broncos have hired Sean Payton. To be the new head coach, Sean Payton, obviously previously the long-time uh, New Orleans Saints head coach, great head coach, sort of mm. probably the hottest name on the board, really. Even though weird one, they wanted, the Broncos really wanted, um, what's he called, brother, who's at Michigan? Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh. They wanted Jim Harbaugh, like that, like really wanted him, Jim Harbaugh, which is crazy. And this next guy who you're about to mention, Lou, I think... Everyone, everyone wanted mm. Demico Ryan's. There's clearly yeah. something about this guy. Yeah. yeah, quickly on Sean Payton, I think that's that's great for the Broncos. Oh, yeah. He's going to yeah. bring in. He's going to tell Russell Wilson, right, get your team out of here. You know, you're stupid. You've not PR got an team. office anymore. You've not got an office anymore <laughs> to do your <laughs> subway <laughs> advertising. Do you realise he actually had an office in there? <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine as a player coming in and, and seeing him dump his well, stuff in, the, in his office. The thing is, when you had Nathaniel Hackett, you sort of had someone who was below Russell Wilson, whereas yeah. in Sean Payton now, you've got someone who 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 can sort of tell Russell Wilson to check himself, really. Yeah. And you've you've got a real presence, uh, a, a real head coach, really, which what which is what Nathaniel Hackett isn't quite yet. Um, but as you alluded to, yeah... Houston have hired San Francisco defensive coordinator and former Texan D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah, um, to be everyone was in love with this guy. And what I like about this is it's an eight-year deal, so it's shown that this isn't just going to be get him for two years. He doesn't do great and get rid of him. They've shown every intention with this contract to to let him build a team, which is fantastic. You don't see organisations doing that as much. Uh, what do you reckon about this one, Sharples? D'Amico Ryans yeah. uh, to the Texans. I think maybe as well this might explain... Well, I hope this explains a sort of somewhat harsh firing of Lovey Smith because if they knew yeah. that they had this guy harsh, yeah. in in the bag and were committed to him, then you know I can understand why they've just got a bit excited and gone, all right, yeah, see you later. Love it. If, if that was the case, it, obviously it might not be done when he got, he got given the job. But um, yeah, I mean, as you say, an eight-year contract... I'm sort of hesitant to get too excited about it because I think that means absolutely nothing for the Texans and he could just as easily be gone six months into it. Uh, but it is it yeah. is a commitment uh, and you would hope they're sort of going to change the tune a little bit because obviously the, the head coach carousel they've been on recently is an absolutely nothing for them. Um, and yeah, obviously a bit of a feel-good story. You used to, used to play for them, I believe. Um, yeah, he used, and, used to be yeah. a very good defensive player for him, yeah. Yeah, I don't, don't know a lot about yeah. him, but let's see what he can do. 
Exactly, you know, and just another sort of uh, another branch off that that Kyle Shanahan coaching mm. tree, uh, which is which has proved to be one of the better coaching trees that we've seen. You know, uh, Shanahan obviously an excellent coach, but McDaniel was great this year. Um, McVeigh, yeah, you know, um, Lafleur as well. Lafleur, you know, really good, really really good. Um, Panthers. Have hired former Colts head coach Frank Reich in a bit of a strange bit of business. Did we did we go through this last time or not? I think we might have done. Yeah, a bit of about str- yeah. how how obviously after the last game of the season, Frank Reich's daughter announced on Instagram that she had a job with the Panthers and she could have had the job for six months. You know, they might have just said, "Oh, you can't say it till after the season." I don't think they meant. You know two minutes after the final whistle blew. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it, it's just a little bit weird and one that should be um, one that should be investigated, really, because I forget uh, I forget the name of the guy that was interim. Steve Wilkes almost got that team in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Uh, he did a really good job, considering how awful Matt Rule was. Um, and this idea that they had Frank Reich in mind all along. I know, yeah. Because his, you know, his daughter works there. It's a weird coincidence. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that the and Frank Reich's a good coach, by the way. No, no I was, I was, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's a bad coach. But I was sort of going to say the opposite. I don't really think he's shown much what in his time at the Colts that would really. Really make me jump for joy if 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 my team what, hired him. What wouldn't make me jump for joy is that your main goal with the Panthers now is securing the next quarterback, your next franchise quarterback. And if there's one thing Frank Reich was awful at, at the Colts, yeah, it was trying to pick a replacement for Andrew Luck. Terrible. It's yeah. the worst thing. Yeah. That, yeah. that was the worst part of his job there. So as a man who can try and find you a new quarterback, I don't think you've got the right guy, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, equally, no, I mean without on. that standout quarterback, he did go to the playoffs two of his first three seasons, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe it's a case yeah. of, yeah. oh, we're also bad at quarterback, but this guy gets you into the playoffs regardless. So maybe it's a bit of damage limitation mm. on their part. So you heard it here first, Derek Carr is going to the Panthers. <laughs> I did say that. You did, yeah. Um, and then next, the Eagles. Oh, not only did they lose the Super Bowl, they lost both of the coordinators in <laughs> one day. Uh, the Colts, speaking of, they've hired Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen as the head coach, and the Cardinals have hired the Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon as their new head coach. Interesting one. Um yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's it, it, it sort of like, yeah, it is very crazy. It is not. Both of these guys aren't going to work out. No. So it, it's just you know you like you like teams in the league sort of betting on these younger guys, these up and coming guys. But yeah, it's a funny one that both of them would just be snatched up just like that. Mm. Really. Yeah. Um, and it makes you wonder uh, who. Pardon my French, but who Eric Bieniemy has pissed off? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I've I've got this in the show doc, so you know, talk to us about this sharpers as well. Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, best offense for the last five years or so. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. What, how, why the hell can't he get a head coaching job? He's interviewing with the commanders to be their offensive coordinator. And then because what? I suppose that, that's, a, that's a head coach who's de- defensive, so it would be his offence. But sorry, go on, Sharples. The, the only thing I can fathom is that other teams in the league are looking at him and going, yeah, he's great, but he's got Patrick Mahomes. Like, if you're a, <laughs> if you're a commanders or whatever, and you're staring down the barrel of Carson Wentz, uh, maybe maybe they're just thinking, yeah, it'd be it'd be a bridge too far. I agree. I don't think it's fair, but that that's literally the only reason I can think why. And and and, and you know, any team that needs a young quarterback, kind of uh, developing like the Commanders clearly do, because they're starting Sam Howell. Um, the enemy's the guy because he did that with Mahomes. You, you're forgetting that that like before the enemy, uh, Frank Reich and Doug Peterson, who were in that role. Got head coaching positions by doing less than the enemy. The enemy's Chiefs' offense has been better than than those guys' chief offense was. Chiefs' offense was, you know, and and you know, so this argument that oh he's got Mahomes and he's got Andy Reid, well that didn't stop anyone hiring the other two guys. Yeah. And 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 from a Chiefs and Andy Reid standpoint, I bet Andy Reid. He wants the enemy to move on, not just for the enemy, but because he wants to keep developing his offensive staff and showing his staff that the, there is a route to develop and to be to kind of uh, get promoted as well. They want to keep promoting these coaches and, and churning them out, if you will, and, and, and keep getting through them and developing new coaches. And the fact that the enemy's been in that role for five years. I think I think everyone just wants to kind of move on a bit now, just because it has been so good for so long that it's a bit like I, I assume him and Reed they want new challenges now. But yeah, crazy to me that Bianui uh, wasn't considered for for some of these. Considering considering as well, and and as much as I do love the Demico Ryan's hire, I think three of the four head coaches of the final four teams were offensive guys or is it all four of them actually was it all four of them it was the the Chiefs versus the Bengals, Bengals yeah Andy Reid Eagles and versus yeah. no, sorry all four of them were offensive guys I think the round before that there was maybe one or two hmm. one or two out of the eight teams that had defensive head coaches so I mean if we're just going off that then your chances are you hire an offensive head coach because uh, there's this whole thing about coupling your your your, your offensive kind of runner, the, the person who runs the offense of the team with the quarterback. Well, if you've got a defensive head coach, that offensive person's going to keep rolling over. So, yeah. Yeah, true. Um, just a strange one, really. Maybe the enemy's going somewhere where he has a clearer path to mm. to get promoted to the head coaching position because Andy Reid isn't going anywhere. In Kansas City, so maybe that's what he's doing. Um, who knows? Speaking of coordinators, though, plenty of you know fresh faces um, in regards to offensive coordinators and defense coordinators. I'm just going to highlight some of the notable ones that I think. Um, starting off with a couple of defensive coordinators that are well needed for these teams. Mm. So the Vikings um, have hired former Miami head coach Brian Flores. Yeah. That's great because that Miami defense when Brian Flores was there was elite, yeah. absolutely elite, and that's exactly what the Vikings have needed. The Vikings have been shocking on defense. It's a great hire for that team. I love the fact that Brian Flores was clearly being messed around by the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. So you just said, "Okay, I'm going to take this other job." 
Yeah. And he's going to take their job and probably do excellently and hopefully get mm-hmm. another head coaching job soon. And then, yeah, speaking of Miami, um, they've hired former Broncos head coach Vic Fangio. Mm-hmm. Again, great defensive coach. Yeah. That is... that is Because people were talking about Fangio for certain head coaching positions. Yeah. So these two hires of these guys are really great because they... Those teams have just got two extra head coaches, basically. Yeah. They, they've got an extra head coach each. Those guys are really great hires. Um, speaking of not great hires, Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> after a, dif- a disastrous season... This is the Rogers um, thing, though, yeah, Disastrous season as of head coach of the Broncos. He stumbled his way into just a lovely job as the offensive coordinator of the up-and-coming Jets. Mm. That is a great job. Like, it's going to be that thing where he went to the Broncos wanting Rodgers and he got Wilson and he'll go to the Jets wanting Rodgers and he'll get Carr. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be absolutely it. Um, so, yeah, uh, not a massive fan of that. I'll be totally honest with you. He must be an incredible interviewer. Um, this one's a bit noteworthy just because of the team. So the Ravens have hired University of Georgia offensive coordinator <laughs> Todd Munkin. Um, just because... I've made my, you know, I made my thoughts clear on this team and this offense. I think it's stale and boring. It needs a change. So maybe this is the change that's needed. Maybe getting rid of Greg Roman is is what this team has needed. So it's all good getting a new offensive coordinator, but you need to make sure Eight's back in the building. You know True. what I mean? You need True. to make sure Lamar's back. Tyler Huntley, not not good. a great player. Pro Bowl. Not a ve- Pro Bowl, yeah, yeah, not a very good player. I, I, I think this kind of notion that the Ravens can get by with Tyler Huntley next year and still be competitive is wild and totally disrespectful to Lamar. Um, you need eight back in the building before you can start building anything for me. And I am not sure that he will be back. Okay. But, yeah, anyway, we will see. And also, the Chargers, they've they've made Kellen Moore their offensive coordinator. They've they've swooped him up from Dallas, and uh, they've given him Justin Herbert. So, as a Dallas fan, it's interesting, Moore's tenure, because... They were, like, one of the best offences in the league while he was the offensive coordinator... But for whatever reason, I was just never convinced personally. I just in those big games, those big moments, he just didn't really seem to have anything in his locker. It seemed it seemed to take a Dak Prescott injury for him to like yeah. become a decent offensive coordinator. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Cowboys talk. Yeah. Um, Chapels, you can. Feel free to interject as well. Um, I want Sharples to, to co- actually. I want Sharples' reaction to this because we're sick of Cowboys talk coming from the two Cowboys fans because it's just totally deluded and stupid because our expectations are way too high. Say the news and ask Sharples to chime in on this week. No, Cowboys so talk. so Cowboys talk. Obviously, Kellen Moore's gone. Brian Schottenheim has been promoted to the offensive offensive coordinator, but that doesn't really mean anything because Mike McCarthy has said. He is calling offensive players now. Now, I like this just because this is truly all or nothing now for Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. He clearly thinks, McCarthy clearly thinks that this little change, that him taking over from Kellen Moore, is that push that can get the Cowboys over the playoff hump. That's what he thinks. He thinks that he can 
win us that extra game or two to get us to that conference championship game and that Super Bowl. So let's see it. I'm all for it. What about you, Sharpers? What do you think? Uh, I think if I was, um, if I was in the sort of decision-making position, I'd have been gunning so hard to get Sean Payton to the Cowboys and get rid of Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, twelve and five is a very, very, very respectable season, but. This might obviously be a hard question to ask you two as Cowboys fans. Did you ever see them winning it? Like, did you did you really see them beating the Niners and then going on to beat the Eagles and then beat the Chiefs? I mean, because I didn't. And no, the, I thought we could beat the Niners. Same. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I I, I didn't think you'd win, but okay. I mean, it wouldn't have been out of the realms of possibilities. But yeah, I just think from what I've seen of of Mike McCarthy, he he. he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to get you over the line and when you've got someone with such a big reputation like Sean Payton that's circling out there I wouldn't have just dropped him for anyone but when you've got someone like yeah. him I think you just have to just just go for it and and the, the type of owner um obviously that, that, that Jerry is like I, I that's the kind of thing I thought he would do and maybe he did and maybe he didn't edit you know you'll, you'll never know but if if I was him that, that that's the kind of decision I'd be going for yeah yeah I agree that I think I'm never convinced when watching the Cowboys in 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 playoff games, but whenever I watch them in the regular season and they win, I think they're amazing. Like there were there were, there were periods sort of like in the middle and towards the back end of the regular season when Dak was back, when they were mm. putting up you know forty points on the Colts or whatever, where I'm like, we can match the Eagles, but yeah. then when it gets to those must-win games, those knockout games in the playoffs. I'm just never convinced. I, I, I don't know whether that's got something to do with Prescott. You know, I really like Prescott, but uh, if, you, if you're telling me now swapping out for Lamar Jackson, I'm obviously swapping him out for Lamar Jackson. I also think you need to play it smart with the running backs. You need to bring Zeke back and give Pollard, maybe franchise Pollard, until you've seen what he is like post-injury. You've seen how he, how he copes being a lead back. I think you, you, you clearly... Michael Gallup's clearly not developed or developing so far into the play you thought he was going to be. I think maybe at this moment in time, the the thought is that you should have kept Amari well, Cooper out of the two of those you, two. You've got to give him time because he's coming off an ACL injury. Like, like I've said on the podcast loads about, you know, about why Saquon Barkley was so good this year. It takes guys a, a, about a year to get back up to 100% pace, you know. Mm. So I think, if anything, this next year is the year to look out for Gallup. He's a, he's a year removed from that injury. It takes guys a while to... to it's not just, you know... You're forgetting, it's not just that they, that they have to heal the body. They've not been on the field mm. for a year. It takes them a little while to adjust. You know, and I believe Zeke is going to take a pay cut to stay with the Cowboys good. And, you know, as bittersweet as it is, unfortunately, you know... That injury to Pollard makes it incredibly easy for the Cowboys to just franchise tag him. As much yeah. as you want to see these players, you know, get paid, secure the bag, you know, because they're playing a dangerous game, it makes it incredibly easy for him to just go, right, we're going to franchise tag you, see how you're doing after this injury. He's just lost all his leverage to get a big contract. Unfortunately, I don't like saying that, but it's true. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on, shall we? 
to our awards, our end of season awards. This is going to be a, a nice, fun part of the pod. We got three, three positive awards, I say three uh, not so positive awards. <laughs> Let's start though with the best value award. I want one per position, one per main. For, uh, one one of the main four positions, chaps. I'm going to throw it to you. Three quarterbacks now at first, and we'll vote on who we think. So my quarterbacks nominated for the best value order, Justin Fields, who had an ADP of quarterback 17. He finished as a quarterback 6, 295 fantasy points. Geno Smith, who was the quarterback 35, and you probably got Geno Smith on the waiver wire as well. Uh, he finished quarterback five, 303 fantasy points. Or Jalen Hurts, who was uh, ADP quarterback six, finished quarterback three on a whopping 378 fantasy points. Who is your best value out of those three? Who do you think, Sharples, are you voting for? Um, I, th- I think it's a bit tough because I think when you when you, you hear that start about you know um, Jalen Hurts being six and finishing three, I mean, he was so consistently good every week. I mean, he has such a high floor. Um, But I'm going to have to go Geno Smith. I know that um, Fields had some absolute monster weeks, and I mean monster ones. But for me, whenever I check the scores, Geno Smith always seemed to be getting around the sort of 18 to 20 point mark. And when he was down, what what was he? Quarterback 35, you said? 35. uh, 35. And and the thing about Geno is... he, you probably got him on the waiver wire. That yeah, is a distinction exactly. that needs to be made here, where you you drafted Fields most likely to be a backup quarterback if you needed to put him in. You drafted Hurst to be a starting quarterback. You got Geno from the waiver wire. Yeah, yeah. I thought his, I thought his consistency from from someone who, like you say, wasn't even drafted was just phenomenal. Yeah, Lou. I I agree. I'm going to go Geno Smith mm-hmm. uh, just because, like Sharps is saying with Hurts, you know, he was great, but quarterback six. You still had to take him in like the top five rounds, even though he was quarterback six. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. Geno Smith, you got him off the waiver wire. I know I had him in a league. And he, don't get me wrong, he wasn't winning you weeks like Hertz was, but he was that sort of steady, steady uh, quarterback that a lot of teams needed and didn't and didn't get. Yeah. So I, I would be going Geno Smith as well, yeah. especially quarterback five yeah. after coming off the waiver wire. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to Smith as well. So Geno Smith is the best value of this year. Congratulations. Uh, running back best value, uh, Tony Pollard, ADP of uh, running back 35. He finished running back 8, 248 fantasy points. Romando Stevenson's ADP was running back 36. He finished running back 7, so those two very close. Uh, one more point than Pollard with 249, but I think he might be the runaway winner for this. Josh Jacobs, running back 21, his ADP, and he finished running back 3, 328 fantasy points. Lads, just give me a yes if we're all in agreement. This is Jacobs. Yep. No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Go on. Listen, obviously, Josh, Josh Jacobs was uh, was was monstrous, um, but for me, I just think Ramandre was so unexpected mm. for me at the start of the season like I think I know obviously it's not been Josh Jacobs best patch but I, I wasn't overly surprised when he did really well obviously I didn't expect him to be running back three but for me Ramandre came out of nowhere was unbelievably consistent uh, I think the sort of the big negative about Pollard was Zeke there's always games where Zeke's gonna sort of steal a few touchdowns away from him I think that's what happened yeah for me Ramandre was 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 the biggest surprise um obviously ADP 36, 
to, to finish running back seven from there. And, and again, he's another one. I think he was on your team, Lou. Whenever I check the, the weekly yeah. productions, he always seemed to be in that 15, 20 point region. And, and th- those are the kind of guys I like. So um, as good as Jacobs was, and, and he was good, I just think from, from where we predicted them all, Ramondre was just was unbelievable this season. Yeah, Ramondre Stevenson was great. I remember putting this the, these these lists together and thinking, wow, Ramondre Stevenson was really good. I just think Jacobs was so good, that's what pushes him over for me. And you as well, Lou. Yeah, so. I, I agree. I think Ramondre Stevenson also he left a bit of taste in some fantasy players and some Patriots fans' mouths because I think like the last two games of the season, one of them, he sort of lateraled the ball away, which led to that weird sort of a weird loss and then the very next game I'm pretty sure he fumbled it at the goal line as well yeah. so bit of taste but yeah I'm going Jacobs just because of how monstrous he was yeah. in a contract year so should yeah. I expect it so Jacobs gets that one uh, wide receivers on our best value awards you got Ayuk whose ADP was wide receiver 39 he finished wide receiver 15 Christian Kirk ADP wide receiver 40 finished wide receiver 12 Devonta Smith, wide receiver 35, finished wide receiver 9. A lot of guys in the same region here, and I will say they all had very similar, within about 15 fantasy points of each other. So uh, this really, I suppose, is up to whether you had them on your team, how good were they in in tight and uh, and important spots, I suppose. Um, Lou, who do you think here? Uh, I'm going to go Devonta Smith, just because he was that valuable in in the back end of the season, like the last five six games, he was unbelievable. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm go- I'm going Smith. Chapels. Uh, I'll probably go for Christian Kirk. Um, I think probably Devontae Smith was up against the individual best wide receiver, but for me that that Jaguars wide receivers room was so hard to predict at the start of the season. I think there was a lot of people at a, at a similar level. And I think people who took Christian Kirk probably tried to follow the money and looked at the contracts, and I think he paid off in that regard. Um, mm. So to be so consistent yeah. when you've got, yeah, probably two or three similar players in that wide receiver room, I thought was really, really impressive. Yeah, and Chapels, I'm actually going to agree with you here because because of everything you said and just because if, if, you, if you're asking me to choose between, to kind of cast a, a deciding vote between... Smith and Kirk, I'm going to bring it down to the fact that Kirk was more unexpected for me. I was high, I was really high on Devonta Smith going into the season, so I'm going to go with the unexpected. Uh, even though I think Devonta Smith is the better player, and it clearly was was slightly better for fantasy this year, I'm going to go with the more unexpected player, and I'm going to go Christian Kirk, so he wins that one. And the de facto winner of the tight end most valuable, uh, or best value, sorry, award is is Evan Engram. He's the yeah. only person really yeah. he can nominate. It, tight end 24 ADP. He got him off the wave wire. He finished tight end 5. Um, and he's got no other competition. So congratulations to Evan Engram for winning Absolute that one. monster in the playoffs as well. Oh, yeah. Best rookie. Best rookie. I'm just going to rattle off these five nominees and the stat lines. So we've got Chris Olave, wide receiver, 198 fantasy points. That's 13 fantasy points a game, 72 receptions, uh, 1,042 yards, four touchdowns. Garrett Wilson, receiver again, 
215 fantasy points, 12 fantasy points a game, 83 receptions, 1,103 yards, another four touchdowns for him. Ken Walker, 202 fantasy points, 13 fantasy points a game. These guys, they're the kind of 13, 12 fantasy points, a lot of them. Uh, 1,050 rushing yards and a handful of receiving yards to nine touchdowns. Damian Pierce, my guy, uh, just the 166 fantasy points, 12 per game, you know, 939 yards, 220 attempts from a guy who missed the last four games of the season, absolute workhorse, and probably my favourite player either in the, here, even though I don't think he's going to win, and Brees Hall, through seven games, he had 115 fantasy points, 16 fantasy points a game, uh, 463 rushing yards over 200 receiving yards five touchdowns this dude is electric and I'm telling you right now Brees Hall is my pick Sharples okay. what about you out of those five yeah I'm, I'm biased on a couple of these guys so Garrett Wilson I drafted and I dropped him in about week six because there was just absolutely no consistency there and then obviously he goes on to have a great end to the season and, and I think he won the rookie of the year in real life so obviously I hate him um, so the man <laughs> I'm going for is someone who I picked up uh, off waivers in about week four I was one and three not the best start I picked up Ken Walker and Ooh. rode him uh, obviously the last last sort of few weeks weren't great but ended up finishing 10 and four and topping topping the league and I think a big part of that was was Ken Walker. So to pick him up off, off free agency and for him to be so good, mm-hmm. he, he went through a sort of four or five week spell where it was 20 points every week and I, I just thought it was phenomenal. So uh, Ken Walker for me. Great. So one vote for Walker, one for Brees Hall, Lou. Mine would be, vote. yeah, mine would be Ken Walker if I wasn't the man who dropped him to waivers. <laughs> <laughs> so you could pick him up, which was, yeah, I'm incredibly bitter about that. Um, no, I'm really torn here. Um, Ah, this is hard. This is really hard. I'm, I'm gonna have to go Walker. Oh. I'm gonna have to go Walker just just because he was there the whole season and uh, he sort of he, he sort of really sort of came on as that mm-hmm. team's lead back. Brees Hall was amazing. Brees Hall, you know, in a capsule was was the best player in out of these five. You know, no question about it. It's just if you're talking about fantasy football, you can't ignore the injury and how it would have affected your team. Ken Walker was a lot more consistent yeah. because he played more. Uh, excited for both of these guys. Yeah. But it, for me, it's it's just got to be Walker just because he played more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Hall was just so much better than yeah, the rest great. of me. But yeah, I amazing. agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken Walker wins that one. Can I just get um, a litmus test on you guys as well? Obviously, re- you know, impressive given the circumstances, but... Brock Purdy played five regular season games and people were talking about him for oh. Rookie of the Year. I mean, that's not yeah. on, is it? No, I, no. I, I, I think that is on. I think he really? was that good. And I think, yeah, no, I've, you, you put it in context of the last guy drafted, the third man up at that team, and he comes in and he, they, don't, they don't just win the games. He plays really, really well as well. Uh, so I, I I had no qualms of him being nominated okay. for that. Okay, to be yeah. honest with you, yeah. What do you What were you going to say, Luke? I was sort of. If you, you've you've made a good point to me for you sort of convinced me, but I was going to agree with Sharples because it just feels like a disservice to these guys who have played the whole season. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, he, he did. Care, he did. He did come in. And he was great. You can't, you can't deny that. I do hate the whole Mister Irrelevant thing. By the way, I think it's just yeah. so stupid. 
Go on, Chapels. What, what were you going to say? I just think it's it's the storyline leading the facts yeah. on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I okay. agree. I agree. I do think if I was the if if I was in charge at the Niners, Purdy would be my quarterback going forward. I think he's shown more than Lance has. I think he looks like a really solid and really good quarterback who you can develop. Mm. Uh, he would be my quarterback if I was uh, Kyle Shanahan. So. You know, I'm going way off topic here, but I just just answer me this: If you're the Colts, do you trade up in the draft to get your pick of the quarterbacks, or do you trade for Trey Lance? I've not seen who's it. younger than a lot of these quarterbacks coming into the draft. I've not. I I, I me personally, I haven't seen enough from Trey Lance to like kind of gauge what teams should do. But anyway, on to some of the bad awards. Worst team. <laughs> I think we did a variation of this last time round. Uh, Sharples, who was the worst team in the league? Well, yeah, I think I think we we sort of mentioned this in the last one. Obviously, you know, if if we're being realistic, it, it was the Texans. But just for for everything at the start of the season and and all the optimism and the excitement, it was the it was the Broncos. Yeah. I'm torn Broncos or Colts, but Lou's got an interesting one for this. I've got a curveball. So, with worst team, I went with worst fantasy team, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've done some research here for this one. I'm going to say Atlanta, right? The Atlanta Falcons were the worst fantasy team because they're the only team in the league, right? With only one player in the top 24 at any position. <laughs> Every other team has two or more players who got in the top four quarterbacks, defence, wide receivers, running backs, okay? Atlanta are the only team that only has one. That one player is Marcus Mariota, who was 20th at the quarterback position, who got benched after week 13. So I'm going to ask you both this. Tell me a player that you were happy with from the Falcons if you had them on your fantasy team this year throughout the whole season. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, Algier was nice down the stretch. <laughs> He was fine down the stretch. He was, he was okay. He was nice. He was a good. Yeah. He, was, he was. He was a really in in Championship Week. He was a really good start. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Cordero Patterson was a bust this year. He was frustrating. Chapels. Yeah. You know any any players that come into your head, Chapels? No, I mean when 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 you were building up to the to the Mariota start, I just assumed you were going to say Kyle Pitts, but. Wasn't nope. Kyle Pitts at the tight end position, which is ridiculous. So he must have scored about five points all season to not make the top twenty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely <laughs> awful. Honestly, honestly, yeah. Um, he was tight end thirty three. Okay. Wow. Um, what yeah, is no. going on? <laughs> Kyle Pitts was tight end thirty three. Yeah. Wow. Um, so that is why I think the Falcons were the worst fancy team, and it baffles my head because they were they were good, they were pretty good. They were pretty. They scored a lot of points. Just yeah. who scored them? Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, you know, you talk about you talk about you know Denver and the Colts, but um, you know Indianapolis, two players in that top twenty-four at the position. Uh, Denver also. Um, two, three, 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 three players in the top twenty-four at the, the positions. You know, I do think you have to caveat that Colts by saying that one of those players was the number one fantasy player last season and dropped off a cliff this season. But anyway, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, 
I'm going I'm going Atlanta. There's mm. the worst the worst fantasy team. Yeah, year. speaking of falling off I'll give it to Atlanta. I like your justification though. Nice one. Speaking yeah, of one of those players wasn't Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor didn't finish in the top twenty four his position. Uh did he not? We'll get into that now because no, we'll get into it now, <laughs> Shackles, because it's the biggest busts. I think my favourite award, the biggest busts of this year, taken into context with with the draft position. So where else to start other than with Jonathan Taylor, drafted consensus 101 last year, running back one, finished running back 32, Oof. 13 fancy points a game. He was all right when he played. He, he just missed a lot of time. And, and what hurt even more was... was the first game of this past season, it kind of confirmed. It was like, he's here. It's Taylor. He's the same yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And then he just wasn't that guy for the rest of the season. Uh, oh, Alan Robinson. God. He's, oh, <laughs> he's God. done. <laughs> he's done the skis. He's done. Done skis. Okay. Um, wide receiver 22. And I remember... Alan Robson being quite hyped up before this season. He was, he really was. Um, Even though he was going awful, on to the Super Bowl. He was, the he was yeah, he was. It completely, he, yeah. He finished, do you think he finished lower than wide receiver 60, Sharples? Alan Robinson? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> do you think he finished lower than the wide receiver 84? <laughs> I mean, I actually wouldn't oh. have gone that far, but where did, where did he finish? <laughs> 84. Oh, my God. <laughs> 8.5 fancy points a game. Wow. Shocking. PPR and, as well. And, 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 PPR, and he did miss some time, but still, that doesn't missing time doesn't change your fantasy points per game. Awful. This guy... Is, was a real surprise, and it was a real surprise going back and looking and, and seeing how disappointing it was. Debo Samuel, uh, mm. wide receiver eight, drafted as huge hype from last year, finished wide receiver 37, you know, 13 fantasy points a game, and he only missed four games this year too. Um, it, it wasn't really a season that was overtaken by injury for, for Debo. It was just a real down year. Uh, and maybe that's you know accompanied by the fact that Ayuk was so good as well. But yeah, uh, Kyle Pitts here he is tight end thirty three seven seven fancy points a game. Russell Wilson, you know he's the trendy pick here. Obviously, yeah. um, it was he, he being drafted as the quarterback eight, quarterback 16, 15 fancy points a game. Uh, over under on touchdown sharples, Lewis. You've seen this over under. On Russell Wilson touchdowns through eighteen games this season, um, eighteen, eighteen, one per game, over or under. Uh, I think it was, wasn't it? Oh, to be honest, I had oh, seventeen games. In my sorry, seven, seventeen, seventeen games. Seventeen, sorry, 17 right? Games. Okay. Yeah. You had twelve in your head. It's I, not that bad. I'll tell. Yeah, go on. What was it? 16. 16. <laughs> 16. Right. Wow. 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, maybe one or two fumbles there as well. Shocking. Awful. Yeah. Rubbish. How? Uh, and then this next one really pains me. Um, Lamar. So drafted as a quarterback four, finished quarterback 14, which isn't good. But 
you're looking at him averaging 14 fancy points a game after those incredible first three weeks of the season. That's why I'm putting Lamar in here. If we're taking that that first three weeks off, he's only averaging 14 fancy points a game, which is crazy for Lamar Jackson. Um, and, and like I said, QB 14 is disappointing mm. for Jackson. Um, wow. Well, um, who are we thinking? I think the top three guys have all got a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a chance, really. I think the top three guys have all got a chance. I, If I'm going to give mine first, I would love to give it to Alan Robinson, but I don't think any of us on this podcast really bought Alan no, Robinson this no, year. No. So I'm going to go Debo Samuel. I'm going to yeah. go Debo Samuel. I do think the injuries... Uh, Got to no, I, I'm going Jonathan Taylor. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> 101, and he finished running back 32. I'm going Taylor. What about you, Lou? Um, Russ is a personal one for me because I, you know, will know from episode one of this this podcast this season. I had high hopes for that team <laughs> and sweet sweet Colin Sutton, but he's he's shown that the only thing they should let Russ cook is a pot noodle. Um, <laughs> So I'm but I'm going I'm going Jonathan Taylor as well. Number one overall pick. Finished outside the top thirty of the position. Um he did miss six games, but that being said, half of those games came at the end of the season, which wouldn't have really mattered for your fancy team considering the large correlation between teams missing the playoffs and teams that drafted Jonathan Taylor one overall. Um, mm. Even before those last three games, he'd already been averaging a very disappointing 13 PPR fancy points a game. Mm. You know, even if he played those last three games, he wouldn't have climbed far above the the, the running backs around him. It's got to be Jonathan Taylor. It's got to be Jonathan Taylor. Mm. Shackles? Yeah, I mean, obviously agree. Uh, hats off to him, though, because he... Uh, he turned my cold pick in week one into probably the hottest pick of the year, seeing as I'm pretty sure I picked yeah. one of his only oh, pick yeah, weeks yeah, yeah. of the, was the entire was, yeah, season. Circle. Um, so yeah, yeah no, I, I mean you, you can't you can't be the consensus number number one overall and and yeah. and be as bad as he was. So um, it has to be him, doesn't it? Really. Congratulations, Jonathan. Well, uh, we love Taylor. you. Um, I will say that the Taylor one is. W- weirdly was le- less frustrating than the Debo one because of the injuries with Taylor and because of the kind of s- completely obvious dysfunction uh, and absolute car crash of a season that the Colts were having, I feel like it was kind of easier to see and understand why Taylor wasn't working out this year. Whereas I know our brother Lou had Debo on his team this year and he just couldn't work. Like I said, he only missed four games. It, why Debo wasn't involved or, or wasn't great for fantasy this season is still a bit of a mystery because that team was still really great. Um, so I'd, I'd say that the Debo one stands out to me because it was kind of more frustrating than the Taylor one was yeah, because was, you just didn't know why I was so it was high happening. on Debo this year I thought the, the flaw for him at least was unbelievable because you thought even if he doesn't get thrown the ball the the sort of rushing yards are going to come and you could maybe argue that McCaffrey coming in sort of put an end to that but I think even before McCaffrey came in Debo still wasn't doing it yeah 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 I know so th- th- that's it but yeah Taylor wins that one um, and we'll move on to our fantasy MVP now, the way we've done this is obviously every week we, we have our player picks for the week ahead. 
So as a podcast, as a trio, we've come up with our player picks of the season. Uh, at the quarterback, we're going with Pat Mahomes. At the running back position, we're going with Austin Eckler. Wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. And tight end, of course, Travis Kelsey. There are players that are absolute forget about it. Forget about yeah, it! He's here. He's here. Yeah, he needs to get in on this one. Um, so there are, that's our picks for the season. Uh, and that's going to determine who wins our fantasy MVP because obviously there are four nominees. So we've got Mahomes, 417 fantasy points, the only player over 400 this year, uh, 5,250 yards, 41 touchdowns, just the 12 interceptions, added about 350 rushing yards on that with four rushing touchdowns as well. Um, you know, fantastic, fantastic season again for, for Mahomes. Eckler, though, 372 fantasy points, you know, 21 fantasy points a game, that is. Uh, 1,637 total yards, 107 receptions for a running back, 18 touchdowns. Big, big championship week as well from Eckler. Speaking of not big championship weeks and and probably what what lost him maybe this award, Justin Jefferson... Uh, 368 fantasy points, you know, 21 points uh, fantasy points per game, 128 receptions, which is crazy, 1,809 yards, which is also crazy. Just the nine touchdowns, and two of them did come in week one, so that's where you're missing some points. And as I said, a really bad championship week. Uh, Jefferson would have been a lock for me in this award if it wasn't for that championship week, and I did have him, and admittedly we got through it anyway, but still... Um, and then Kelsey, 316 fantasy points, 18 fantasy points a game, 110 receptions, 1,338 yeah, uh, receiving yards, 12 touchdowns, pretty standard for Travis Kelsey. Okay, this is a tough one. I'm going to throw it over to Sharples first. Uh, I think this might be an unpopular pick, but for me it is... Travis Kelsey. Um, I just think that, particularly this year when there's not been a a George Kittle or a Mark Andrews to to chase him, um, I think it's obviously a lot of draft capital to spend on a tight end. Um, But the the points differential you have when you've got Travis Kelsey against anyone else, I mean, it's he's a walking sort of 10, 12, 15 Mm. point swing. And I just think that sort of you know what I mean? Like, so for example, you don't, you don't take Mahomes, but oh, it's okay. There's Josh Allen there who finished 10 points behind him all season. Or you don't take Eckler, yeah. but it's fine. Cause McCaffrey, like if you didn't take Travis Kelsey, the next, the next highest I believe was, um, Hawkinson who finished 40 places below him. Travis Kelsey is, is just an, it's just an absolute difference maker for me. So while he, obviously Mahomes scored way more points. I think when you've got Kelsey, you, yeah, you you just you just know you're gonna win the tight end battle for that week, and uh, it's yeah. just hard to buy that. So yeah, Travis yeah. Kelsey for me. He finished a hundred with a hundred more fantasy points than the next tight end, which is crazy, really crazy. Yeah, what? Go on, Lou. What's your pick? Yeah, I was I was thinking about Kelsey as well. I mean, as you said, Jefferson. Uh, it's that 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 championship week leaves a bad taste. Eckler. Amazing, and you know what, Austin Eckler was great because I didn't realise how good he had done until yeah. the end of the season. Because I had him in one of my one of my leagues, and he did win me that championship. Um, 
And he's one of those beautiful fancy players that you don't realise how good they are because you just forget about him. Mm. You just lock him in your lineup straight away and and you just they sit there the whole year accumulating points for you. So Eckler was great. But I'm also going Kelsey. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean Kelsey was even better than this last year, you I know, know what I mean? I know. Um so Kelsey's got it sewn up. I I would have gone Austin Eckler because like like you just said, Lou, I forgot how amazing he was. Uh, both rushing and receiving, and the fact that he had a huge uh, championship week, um, and 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 it really is down to the fact that Jefferson had a really bad championship week. That I'm not voting for him. I'll be totally honest with you. Like quarterback, it's really hard. In even though it's really easy in real life to win the MVP at the quarterback, it's really hard to win the fantasy MVP because all quarterbacks kind of score a lot of points. Um, so I get what you mean with Kelsey, and he is our fantasy MVP this year. I am voting for Eckler, but well done, well done. So that's fantastic stuff. Um, just a little, just a little one to look ahead to finish off the podcast and quickly look ahead to next season. Now I want us to kind of think about the players that were most apprehensive about next year. You know, those players who perhaps showed a lot of promise this year or have been good for fantasy for a few years, but who were worried about going into next year, who were not prepared to go all in on. Um, I'm just going to get, I've got a few names, shortlisted names. If you two want to grab onto some of these names and expand on them, please do. If you want to add names of your own, do as well. Um, I've got Miles Sanders on there because, as Sharple said before, that Super Bowl performance is Miles Sanders. I expect someone else to be the lead back there next year. Stefan Diggs, I think that offense needs something else and the chemi- chemistry of Allen is really lacking at the minute. Uh, they really just need another weapon though, which is going to take away from Diggs. Christian Kirk, you know, the arrival of Calvin Ridley. Uh, Keenan Allen, you know, he's on the wrong side of 30, even though, you know, I'm not saying that 30 is like incredibly old, but he, he has been in the league a long time. Uh, and I think the Chargers are going to cut him as well to get under the cap. Uh, and this year, you know, the injuries started coming. Dalvin Cook, who I believe Lou wants to expand on perhaps a little bit, uh, for a lot of the similar reasons to Joe Mixon. You know, I've got, I've no idea where Mixon's going to be next year. Samaji Piran had double the snaps that Mixon had in the AFC Championship game, which is crazy. And it was a down year for Mixon in general. I, I could see the Bengals offloading him. And if I'm being totally honest, I think Joe Mixon's an incredibly overrated player. Um, so for where he's probably going to be drafted next year, his ADP, I think my pick right off the bat in terms of the play that I'm most apprehensive uh, about is Joe Mixon. Uh, but what about you, Lou? Uh, you mentioned Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Dalvin before. Cook, just because, you know, similar with Mixon, with these players, there's a life cycle, yeah. isn't there, you know? Um, all great running backs start deteriorating, start being less productive. And... You know, for fantasy football, you don't want to, you don't want to be caught out by that. Really, you you don't want to be the, you don't want to have Dalvin Cook in his first down year. You want to yeah. have had him in his last good year, really. And he's, you know, him, um, maybe Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon. These guys who have been in the league, they've been so great for many years. But a new crop's coming in now, and I mm. would rather bet on one of these younger guys than a Dalvin Cook who has shown it 
but he's just he's getting to the end of that elite life. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying Davin Cook could still be a really productive running back in the league for multiple years to come. Maybe not a top 10 pick, yeah. top 15 yeah. pick, though. If I'm the Vikings as well and someone like, say, the Bills come in for Dalvin Cook, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving that. I'm keeping Alexander Madison. I'm, I'm letting them give me something for Dalvin Cook. Why? Why? While anyone can, but what about you, Sharples? Anyone you're worried about immediately after this season? Um, There's a couple of guys... I wouldn't say I'm worried. It's sort of... it's. There's a couple of guys who I think... I'm, massive gambles and I think they were at the start of this season as well but they're intriguing to me so for example DeAndre Hopkins for me yeah, you, yeah. his ADP has slipped but he, from what I've seen of him he could still very easily be a top 10 wide receiver if not higher mm-hmm. he slowed down last year he started he came back from that suspension yeah. really quick and then slowed down I just, I, I still think there's enough in the tank. And then the, the even more intriguing one, this this is the worst one, and I hate myself for it. I drafted him this season, and it did nothing for me. Michael Thomas. I, mm. What if? What if he's still in there? What no. if? I, I, think, I don't think he plays again. What at all, or for yeah. the Saints? At all. I don't think he plays again. Um, I know what you mean. What if he's still in there? Because that one season was incredible. Um, but I think it's been too long since we've seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he plays again. Um, I don't know. I think I think he comes back and I think he's always going to be lurking in the back of someone's head. He's certainly going to be lurking in the back of my head if, he, if he's there on, on the board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um I don't want anything to do with Michael Thomas. Yeah. Personally or in NFL. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you raised an interesting point, Sharples. And you know what? My This is a really sort of a morbid note to end on. But like, you're talking about these players aging and stuff like that. If you're talking about apprehensive players, it's been it's been the same for the past couple of years. I've always been apprehensive to pick up Travis Kelsey. Yeah. It's like Ooh. when is it but when is when is the production gonna stop? And it hasn't. And it hasn't done but then you know, I would be lying to you right now if there wasn't something in the back of my head going, But what if Kelsey isn't as good next year? And you know what? You know what? The cynic in me says he wasn't as good this year as he was last year. True, true, <laughs> true. Yeah, I don't know. So those those are just some names that we're worried about so far. Obviously, as the off season progresses, as as moves happen, we'll um we, we'll come back to them. We are going to be back uh, after free agency, but just before the draft. Um, to do a podcast reflecting on free agency and the fantasy impacts of that and hopefully pointing out some plays in the draft to look out for. So, you know, whether you watch it or whether you just flick through it the, the day after uh, each each day or each round has happened, we can give you some names to look out for. Yeah. I think that, that that makes it a lot more accessible and really... Yeah really fun to kind of keep up with when you when you know the names because it's a big a big old quarterback draft this year almost as big as the 2000 and i want to say 18 quarterback class which had the amazing likes of josh rosen and sam Darnold and baker mayfield in the first (laughs) round as well as you know josh allen and lamar jackson in the first round as well but anyway that that's going to do us 
Thank you very much for listening this year. It's been a fantastic season. I've enjoyed it a lot. I've as well. I've, and I, did, I think it speaks to speaks to just how unhelpful we are on this podcast that we would give a man fantasy MVP and then immediately <laughs> tell you not to draft him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's very on brand, I'd say. Yeah. Very, and that can be our closing thought, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you in a couple of months. Uh, goodbye. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye.